episode 634 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? You got to come in hot off that uh, up-tempo number there, Todd. That's right. I come in about a dog, you're dying, and now we got to do a podcast. Did I tell you that I, I about a month or so ago, I attempted to explain that reference to my kid? Why, Joe? Why? Because I, so I, I, uh, I said it to him. I said the joke and I did like the whole routine, right? Even with the GDs and stuff? No. Well, I said, I said the GDs, but I didn't say the other swears, you know? Right. Um, and he was just, was cracking up over it. Right. Mm-hmm. So then I tried to explain to him without like getting too far into like, well, here's Casey Kasem and here's Gene Kasem and here's the Tortellis and here's the, you know what I mean? Oh my God. Um, but like, I try to angle stuff like that into the kids vernacular of today. Right. Right. Um, I forget what I was explaining to him in one of his little mobile games. They're doing a crossover with street fighter. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's your basic art. Do I need to explain street fighter to, you know, you know, street fighter. Yeah. They, there's these characters and they fight on a street. Right. Street fighting man, G7. Right. So it's just the basic eight characters. And then I'm like, oh, I wonder if they're going to add any other characters. And there's like silhouettes of other characters that are coming later. And one of the characters in there is Dan. And if you know Ken and Ryu of Street Fighter fame, they're essentially like just like palette swaps of each other. Like one's red, one's white. Okay. Mm -hmm. Dan is like the... Uh, the third palette swap version, but his thing is like his outfit's orange. His stuff doesn't work as well as the other two, and he's kind of like the first like meme character in a video game. Mm-hmm. And when I explained it to my kid that way, he understood it. Gotcha. gotcha. So it's just like- me trying to explain the things that I'm into to the youngs. Right. And I like to think that you're at a dinner table with your family and you say something to your wife and the kid's like, what's that, dad? And then 45 minutes later, you're explaining all the stars are here. Right. So, well, no, I, I so I, I think I talked to you. I definitely was off, definitely off mic. We might have talked about it on mic. We're going to get to the show, I promise. <laughs> right. It's going to be that of, of all the things that Norm MacDonald is known for. The thing that he'll probably be most remembered for for the longest time is the all all the stars are here meme, right? Mm-hmm. And my kid knows that meme, okay, but he doesn't know who Norm Macdonald is. Right? He doesn't know any of that other stuff. He just knows that meme pops up in different videos that he watches, right? Um, and I heard him laughing about that, and I'm like, I go, oh, I go, I, I and I just, I'm like, hey, I go. That guy is a really funny comedian. He's one of me and mom's favorite comedians. He had passed away earlier this year, so on and so forth. I go, but he's really funny. I go, he and eventually he's going to end up having to watch Dirty Work. And I say having to. He's going to get the opportunity, the privilege to watch the smash hit film Dirty Work. And then I'll come over and I'll, I'll show him the ESPYs monologue. So. Yes. <laughs> but, Joe, besides, uh, you know, all that stuff, would you like to know what's on the show today? Oh, Yes, I would. Okay. In the news, something new with Mark Grunewald that's actually old. Um, Also, DC Universe Unlimited Editions. Um, Conventions. What we read last week, which was The Human Target 9 and Once Upon a Time at the End of the World. Uh, What we're looking forward to this week. 
Todd and Joe have issues. The battle for second place, AKA Todd and Joe go rogue. And finally, at the end of the show, spoiler filled talk of the season finale of Andor. And Todd's going to, you know, figure out whether the guardians of the galaxy holiday special passes the Todd, you know, holiday special test. So I didn't know there was a Todd holiday special test. Um, well, there's not so much as a rigid form. I just, it's kind of like a, like with the Supreme court. I know it when I see it. So you know what I'm saying? Being of rigid forms. Sure. (laughs) Right. And weren't we supposed to go over what Todd and Joe have issues for 2023 on after dark was going to be? Yeah, but we went long and you wanted out. So that's true. Well, maybe we'll go over it on here. We could, or, you know, we still have time, whatever you want to do. Or maybe we'll do it next week. I don't know. Right. All right. Uh, So it's a light news week, of course, but some interesting stuff that popped up. Um, Many, many years ago, after the passing of uh, seminal 80s Marvel Comics creator Mark Grunwald, uh, he, after he'd passed away, um, had a portion of his ashes mixed in with a printing of Squadron Supreme. Mm-hmm. And apparently, he has some more ashes left. Mm, that's the so, question I have as this goes on, but go ahead. Okay. Um, so that they are going to be doing a 100 copies. So again, it's only a few. Uh, they're going to be doing a reprint of Contest of Champions, which is another book that he worked on back in the 80s. And in that 100 print run uh, that's going to be available uh, at select cons and so on and so forth in 2023, uh, his ashes are going to be mixed in with that new printing of this as well. Right. Um, I always thought it was cool the first time around. I got it. I understood it. But now I'm kind of of the mind like – did they have extra ashes left over? And is this something like, do they have even more ashes? And is this something that's going to happen like again? I don't know, but because they did it the first time, I'm kind of cool with it because that's what he would have wanted. Obviously he wanted it the first time, but I don't know how I'll feel about it. If they do it like a third and a fourth. Um, but you know, Hey, more power to you. Right. For sure. Uh, but it's just interesting. You know, like I knew it was a big deal. Uh, when he had passed away and they did that first printing. So I was kind of shocked to see that they were doing it again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nothing as far as I'm concerned tops when they put out the uh, kiss comic and had real kiss blood mixed in with the ink. Right. I remember, I remember them talking about that too. And I hope if they ever do a Mark Grunewald ash infused uh, reprint of the Captain America story, the house that dripped dough. I'm all in. I'm yes. all in. But do you remember when they were taking the blood out of Stan Lee at night when he was sleeping? <laughs> and they wanted to do, like, he wanted to sign comics with it. So, like, there is a there is a line that you can go over, Joe. You know what I mean? Right. So. So, yeah, like, I don't know if it's, like, an anniversary of the book coming out or whatever it is. But, uh, you know, they're only doing 100 copies and it's only a single issue. So, Again, how many ashes do you really need, you know? True. Maybe it's just like a sprinkling. It's, it's, right. It's probably just a sprinkle, you know, just a dusting of <laughs> A ashes. light dusting of ash over the ink pot. Yes, exactly. 
so last but not least, uh, like I said, it's a lean news section. A couple months ago, uh, we had mentioned, it was right before New York uh, Comic Con, actually. Uh, DC rolled out their DC Universe Infinite Ultra. Right, rolls right off the tongue. Where they changed things to, you could read stuff on their digital platform a month after it comes out in stores, where mm-hmm. I think Marvel is still like six to eight weeks later, depending on the title. Um, right. And they just announced a couple things with it. One, that the initial introductory price of the $99 for the year is coming to a close as of this Sunday. Um, and, I, and I'm and i going to guess that's probably going to end up being the cutoff because one of the perks to it is it's very similar to the way that the Marvel one is set up where you pay for the year and you get a bunch of like exclusive merchandise and it'll be like a ra- like it'll be like um like a Marvel Legends figure of like Daredevil in the yellow costume that you could only get through this, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas the DC Universe Infinite Ultra thing was if you signed up for the year long thing, you got an exclusive uh, edition of the uh, Death of Superman 30th anniversary right. with an exclusive cover that you could only get through this, right? And we might have talked about it on the show. I know I definitely talked about it with our local retailer that I was wondering, like, what the if there's going to be a cutoff on this. And obviously, it seems as though December 4th is going to be the cutoff for it. So if you're waiting on it, go sign up. But the other reason I mentioned it is as of this week, they just added the entire catalog of Vertigo books. Yes. And I know some stuff was there, like, kind of piecemealed, you know? Right. Um, And I think Sandman might have already been on there, but this is literally everything else. Right. All Um, the one shots, all the like mini series that weren't Neil Gaiman and stuff like that. Right. So all like all the like holes in the series are being filled in, Um, you know, Overture, Dream Hunters, um, you know, any of the crossover stuff. But then like the rest of the vertigo back catalog is being added as well so it's a huge dump of stuff um i don't know if they have a free trial i don't know if you care about this sort of stuff um you know just for ease of use i would say this is like quite a deal you know yeah it is i mean and especially like right on the heels of the 30th anniversary you know what i mean that's that's really cool so uh i'm looking over it and there's one in here that i uh voices i'm trying to think of the name of it i can't find it and that ticks me off but it was a paul chadwick one you know what i mean um and oh man it's killing me now but i'm surprised it's on here because i follow paul chadwick on twitter and it's one of those things that went back to him. Oh, it's called Gifts of the Night. It was I was about 19, to ask. Yes. It was in 1998, 1999. I was scrolling through and I couldn't find it. But that's one of them that reverted to him kind of the deal. Um, he Like the creator's rights went back to him. But he says it would never see print again because of the fact that all the digital files became corrupted. Ooh. And the art is scattered to the winds. So he can't reproduce it that way. So I'm wondering how it's actually on this. If you know what I mean? Yeah, if, for sure. If, if they found uncorrupted files or they just went, they scanned the books. I don't know, but that's one that I find uh, very, very interesting. 
He's the guy who did concrete, in case you were wondering. Yes, I'm. I uh, again, I know who Paul Chadwick is. I know concrete. Um, I just assume he recycled the pages, and that's why they couldn't do it. You know, right? Yeah, he was big on that. So, but uh, I don't know. I w- this would be something that could kind of get me to like get on board with this. This is my bread and butter. All this stuff right here. So that's why I mentioned it to you. Mm, we'll see. We'll see, Joe. So that's what we got. News-wise, we do got some conventions this weekend uh, out in L.A. We have the L.A. Comic-Con, just strictly comic stuff. Uh, But some big-name folks out there, Greg Capullo, Scott Snyder, uh, Ryan Otley, Scott Koblish, Pete Tomasi, Donny Cates, among others. And then in Columbus, Ohio this weekend is Galaxy-Con. You got comic book folks. Uh, Chris Piccolo, speaking of Sandman, Death specifically, uh, Becky Cloonan, Raphael Albuquerque, Al Milgram, Chris Sprouse, uh, Kyle Higgins, Tula Lote, Peter David. I don't know if Peter David is canceled. Again, we'll mention it here. Uh, there was a GoFundMe up uh, for Peter David. Uh, I think I'll put it in the show notes. Um, I think he recently had some complications. And he just needs some uh, assistance with his medical bills. You know, I think we had an interview one time with Peter David on the show. Yes. Um, where you had met him was it was at New York, right? Yep. Yep. One of my favorite interviews because I actually knew his catalog backwards and forwards too. Right. Right. Um, Okay. So yeah, and again, um, so he had kidney failure. And he just had another series of strokes and a mild heart attack. So I'm going to guess he's probably not going to be at GalaxyCon this weekend. Right. And that's kind of why Marvel, I think, has been giving him the gigs. Yeah. Like the miniseries, like the Janice Vell, Captain Marvel, and now the Joe Fix is coming up. Trying to keep him working, you know? Yeah. And I think um, I – and this, so we're all over the place, but that's what this show is, right? Right. Sometimes. Um, a couple weeks ago, I had mentioned to you, I'm like, I have a thought about these Peter David books, right? Right. And, you know, obviously this makes more sense in that Marvel, if he was able to work, Marvel was willing to give him work. And the fact that the stuff that he was putting out was selling. Um, and it was just, it felt as though they were having him not so much as revisit some of his more popular stories from the 80s and 90s. But did you feel, because you, like, I was only reading the Hulk ones. I wasn't reading so much the Spider-Man ones or, you know, the Captain Marvel ones or whatever. But do you feel as though this was Marvel attempting to kind of replace those in their catalog with the new updated versions of stuff? Or were most of those continuations of the existing stories that he had already written? They were either continuations of the stories that he had already written, like especially the Captain Marvel. Mm -hmm. Captain Marvel was him trying to fix everything that they had done wrong to those two characters, like Rick Jones and Genus Vell. They were both dead. He brought them back, connected them. It's like, let's let's wipe that A-bomb stuff under the the carpet kind of a deal, which is Peter David's bread and butter is fixing broken comic characters. And then 
all uh, Maestro was was just the the bridge between the, his end of the run of Hulk and the beginning of Future Imperfect. So I was like, I he had those stories, but I, my take on all stuff like this is when they do stuff like that, they either give these guys work or they put their stuff in like heavy reprint like oh here's all peter david's omnibuy and here's peter david's like uh greatest hits on the hulk or i'm trying to think of who it was jim starlin we're gonna put out shang chi stuff not just because the movie's out there it's like you know what we can't sign we can't give you a bigger cut of the movies but because you created these characters we'll keep these reprints in and giving you work to give you checks instead of giving you a piece of the action on the movies that's where yeah. i stand 100% on this right so my thought on this my whatever was it just seems so weird that they were giving you know such a notable creator this reign over so many 80s and 90s stories to go and either fix, like, the Captain Marvel stuff, or add on to, you know? Or, or we'll see in the next Captain Marvel movie, or, like, uh, something with the Hulk coming up in a movie, that they just use, like, liberally his storylines. And like I said, it's a way to be like, oh, well, we're not going to pay you for that, but we'll pay you for this. And it keeps everybody happy, so. Right. Yeah, we'll it, was just, it was just a theory, because, like I said, I wasn't reading everything. What I have been reading, I have been enjoying... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the Joe Fix It one that's coming out. I'm like, I'm on top of that. I've been enjoying the Hulk stuff, you know? Yep, yep. Um, but back to Galaxy Con. Um, you know, we have media guests that are gonna be there. Um, the entire non-jailed um <laughs> people from the Smallville cast are gonna be there. Right. A smattering of people from the Legends cast are going to be there. Right. Uh the Clerks three cast are willing to show their face in public again. Uh, mm-hmm. not including um, Rosario Dawson. She's allowed to show anything she wants, anytime she wants. Mm-hmm. Um, Jody Whitaker is going to be there. I'm sure yep. you know who that is. Right, the 13th Doctor. Right, and um, Barry Bostwick is going to be there, Todd. Oh, my God. If he is ever at a con that's close, Joe, Mark photos. We said the whole bit. If they had the motorcycles, if we got, if we got, I would pay for two picks, Joe. I'd be like, I paid for two picks. So I get two picks in a row. And you know what my two picks would be, Joe? One would be the thumb. Touching the lips. Right. And then the, the thumb away from you. So I have like, I could turn it into a gift. Like it would flip from the kiss to the thing, the double. And, oh, my God, that's what I would want. Megaforce all the way, Joe. And I I will also say uh, from the world of sports and entertainment, uh, Britt Baker is going to be there. Uh, Ruby Soho is going to be there. Rick and Scott, the Steiner brothers, are going to be there. Oh, I love one of their runs on Batman. I don't know how he's going to flip back and forth to the L.A. con in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, Lex Luger is going to be there. Oh, how's his leg? You think of Sid Vicious, but Lex is fine. Oh, okay. Uh, but, I say, you know, we mentioned before about the Barry Bostwick. Have it set up with the bikes and doing the Mark Fix there. I have a friend or two that's made their friend or two that are doing the wrestling show there, but they're not big enough names to be on the list. 
right, right. The wrestlers doing appearances, you know? Right. And I don't know how much sway they have at the convention. But if Ron Simmons and John Bradshaw Layfield are going to be there, okay? Mm-hmm. And you don't have the table and the door set up for the APA office and doing mark photo opportunities there. Apparently, you hate money. Uh, I, I'm with you. We've discussed this. You have, this is what you have. You have the door, the kegs all around, and then you get to sit at a poker table with them. You don't even need the kegs. You need a table. Right. You need the two of them sitting at the table. You come down, you sit in between them. And the door is behind you. You want to have the cards. You want to light up a stogie. You oh. wanna, like you have the empty beer cans there on the table. It's perfectly staged. You do that photo op, and I think you're making money hand over fist. But again, listen, I understand. People in this industry hate money, right? Joe, can I give you a little bit extra of an opportunity on this? All right. So obviously, uh, you know, the APA, they'd have their own cigars for the shoe. You know what I mean? Sure. And then you come in and you go, all right, would you like to have a cigar with the picture people in the picture? Yes, mm. I would. Well, due to COVID, we can't have you use everybody use the same cigar, but we can sell you a cigar cheap. And it's like a signed or whatever, like whatever you want to do with it. It doesn't matter. It's, it's part of the gimmick table and you get the cigar and you get to take it with you. Obviously you buy the lowest brand cigar you can get and you charge, like if you got like a 50 cent cigar, you charge 20 bucks extra for it in the picture. And right there, you're making your money. You know what I mean? It's a way to unload some of Cody's American rebels. I get it. Completely there understand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna message my friend Chris to see if he's got any sway there, you know. But uh, right. and if you're heading to LA, you're heading to Columbus this weekend for either of these cons. The links will be in the show notes uh, for this episode, along with information about soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com, all the shows in the soon to be named network. Anytime they go live, uh, you could rely on your spotty at best podcatcher. <laughs> Or you could rely on the 100% guaranteed works all the time, soon-to-be-named-network.com. Right. Uh, like I said, all the shows in the network, whether it be this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, At Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Wings on Wings, uh, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Hit My Music, um, Porch Talk, and the upcoming one-off special, Pieces on Pieces, where me, Todd, and Doug are going to eat <laughs> Reese's Pieces and watch the hit uh, 80s horror movie Pieces and put together the same puzzle that the kid put together in the movie. Right. I think uh, Cookie Monster said it best for me, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, I can't believe Cookie, Cookie Monster would say such a thing. I think that might have been doctored footage. <laughs> no, he's my hype monster, so... <laughs> Uh, also check out some of our friends who are doing stuff all around the world of the internet. Uh, Mike Sterling, uh, his blog over at Progressive Rune, our friend Kevin, his blog over at Mass Library, uh, our friend Rick Williams over at FreeKarateChops.StoreEnvy.com, all those cool resin, glow-in-the-dark, sci-fi fantasy wrestling figures that he does. Uh, listeners of our show, longtime listeners of show, our show have put out self-published comic books. Uh, Chris Runt has Battle Monsters. Jason Sandberg has Jupiter. We have links for their sites where you can go and purchase those directly from them. And hey, 
Uh, if you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, let our comic book shop be your comic book shop. Comics on the Green, we have their Facebook linked up. Uh, that's where Dave and the crew do most of their social media-ing. Dave announcing when the new books are in, when the new hot titles are in, when to put your pre-orders in, all that sort of stuff. And you can sign up for their mail order subscription service. Get books mailed to you weekly, monthly, bi-weekly. And if you do, there's a chance that you can get a sketch from our good friend Becky. Go check out her social media so you can see uh, all of the process and prints. And everything else that she's she's done, including pics of the of the new Weeb store that opened up around the corner from the comic book shop. Is that a slur? No, know. it's not. Apparently, okay. Uh, so, like I said, all the links to that are in the show notes to every single one of these episodes. You can find all the shows in the soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com. And anytime any of these folks from those other shows go on other shows, you could find it there as well. Hmm. A lot of hand movements here while we're talking. Oh, okay. Was it me or you? No, me. I'm like, okay. you know. I didn't see my hands move. That's what I was asking. I'm very animated. So let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. Right. I'm going to start with the book I was looking forward to most, which is The Human Target uh, number 9 by Tom King, art by Greg Smallwood. Uh, the book starts out with, which is actually cool. Um, after the events of last issue, um, ice fell asleep on the human targets, uh, chest. And it's literally the same panel as the last panel of the issue eight, but colored differently because it's morning. So that's great. Um, ice wakes up and finds that, uh, he's not breathing. So she ends up using her powers slash, you know, CPR to bring him back. And they take him to Dr. Midnight, and uh, this is where Ice finds out that uh, the human target's dying. Up to this point, they uh, did not know it. so She did not know it. So they decide to take a road trip, and she wants to talk to him about it. But Joe, he's having none of it because as she's talking, he's in his own head, and he keeps talking about he – and him and it's my turn to meet him and i've met most of the justice league international but now it's his turn and how is he going to do it and basically he's talking about batman and batman joe is living rent free in the human target's head he's like oh if let me slow down oh if he's following me in the batmobile well no he wouldn't follow me in the batmobile uh as we're going out to the desert because that's where i want to like meet up with him where I'd have see him out in the open or would he be in the bat plane, you know, up above the clouds where I'd never see him. And they end up like stopping for lunch. And there's a gentleman in there like with a hat and glasses and, and, and beard and mustache. He's like, well, if he's going to meet me, this is how he would meet me. It's, it's Batman. He goes and he has an interaction with that person. Joe, that person might not be Batman. Um, so he takes off. Ice is getting angrier and angrier. Um, and they end up crashing in the desert, and he she makes an ice house, which just looks exactly like her house, which is so gorgeous. As I say, Greg Smallwood's art throughout this, Ice's face, like facial expressions, I don't know, he's given a certain guy with the initials KM a run for his money on how she looks. Um, and in the end, he realizes uh, the reason Batman may not be running into him, there's a reason, 
And it may take everything that we know for the past couple of issues and throw it on its head. And I love this issue. And if you get the Greg Smallwood cover, as you always should by the cover with the person who's doing the interior, that cover represents so much. So simple of him standing in the shadow of Batman. Um, This might be one of my favorite. I'm doing air quotes. I'm moving my hands. Appearances of Batman in a comic ever. So, Todd, as I was reading this, I have the question uh, for you. Right. What's worse, to have Batman coming after you or to think Batman's coming after you? Um, I think it's worse to think about it because if he is coming back uh, for you, you're going to be unconscious soon and you're not going to have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. If he's if you're thinking about it. He, like I said, he's living rent free in your head. I mean, like you're just constantly and the plans that that human target has made to like, like he's thought so hard about what he's going to do, like to get his, you know, like his shot in if, if be it. This was brilliantly done in a world of Batman appearances, Joe. Yes, uh, I, I this this issue was great. Uh, you know, Greg Smallwood, the way that he draws ice. I know that you had mentioned uh, giving uh, your boy Kevin McGuire a run for his money regarding this. I think Kevin McGuire, uh, or I think Greg Smallwood does ice and most of the ladies in this book way better. There's yes. Um, there's, there's a realism that also, you know, continues keeping them as comic book characters. Um, there's, especially with a character like ice, there's a warmness to them. Uh, that the dialogue doesn't even need to assist with um, the facial expressions that he gives them. Obviously, Kevin is known for his more exaggerated over the top facial expressions, where especially in this book, I think uh, Greg Smallwood is doing things much differently to much greater aplomb in this book. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, this was a great issue. Like I said, um, seeing uh, Chance just being absolutely beside himself thinking that Batman is waiting for him around every turn. And the, I would, I would say the only thing that would be worse than Batman being after you or thinking that Batman's being after you is you trying to think what Batman would do. Yep. If he was after you and trying to stay one step ahead of him, Mm -hmm. that's a surefire way to go insane. (laughs) And I think that is the secret origin for, I would say, 99% of all Bat villains <laughs> in that they commit a crime. Then they're like, oh, no, Batman's going to get me. Now I need to figure out how to not have the Batman get me. Um, And then they go insane trying to right. do and then they look at themselves and they go, now I'm in the second best rogues gallery in all of comics. Well, and that's not fantastic. Yet, not yet, Yank. Right. But I will say this one last thing about the art. I'm with you on Greg Smallwood on especially ice because in this one, she finds out like he's dying and she's having the conversation. She's in the car next to him. And like, even when she thinks she's dying, when Greg Smallwood draws ice unhappy or sad, it's beautiful and it breaks my heart. And then when she smiles, I fall in love all over again with ice. <laughs> yes. That's how good Greg Smallwood's art is. So. It is really good. Yep. 
uh, there's going to be a book that I'm going to be sad to see end. Uh, so, uh, let's get to the book that I was most looking forward to coming out this week, uh, which was Once Upon a Time at the End of the World, written by Jason Aaron, uh, with art by Alexandra Tefenke. Nailed it. Uh, so, this book is, at the very least, at the very start, uh, two characters, Maceo and Mezzi. Uh, Mezzi is rowing a boat. Uh, through a looks like apocalypsed uptown rowing the boat through garbage and rubble until she comes upon a building after getting a leak in her boat and this inside of the building is where uh, she meets Mezzi or I'm sorry Maceo my apologies you would think there's only two characters in the book. I would get them straight. Um, but it's the tale of two very different people in the way that they're handling the end of the world. Uh, both characters are very young. And I would have to say that this is probably the first person that Maceo has had access to in quite some time. Mm-hmm. And Maceo becomes enamored with Mezzi decides to go outside of the tower and adventure alongside uh, Mezzi with whatever's going out there. And this is the beginning of what is definitely going to be a long-term relationship, specifically seeing it, what we get at the end of the book. Um, but obviously, this is the first chapter. We're establishing the world. Um, I think the art is beautiful with all the different creatures and stuff that we were introduced to. Um, we immediately know who these two characters are um, from the very beginning. Uh, Jason Aaron does a great job of establishing them, um, what their quirks are, what their, you know, you can kind of pitch who these two characters are very easily. The designs of the characters work very well for this sort of end of the world sort of book. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it was a fun first issue. Um, but obviously it's Jason Aaron, so I'm going to be on board regardless. Yes. Um, all I have to add is I, I think you like, I didn't, when I say this, I only like liked this book. Yeah. It is a first, you know, issue. It's setting the stage. I was more interested in the people at the end with the time jump and their kind of looks like with like the arm with stuff like sticking out of it. And I'm like, okay, that's really cool. Uh, we're seeing the bare bones, like you said, of Mezzi and Mace. Um, but I will say, you know how every once in a while you have a nitpick that kind of you can't get out of your head? Mine, yes. there was one nitpick, is when uh, Mace shows up uh, after he after uh, Mezzi leaves. And they're like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you and I'm going to go adventure with you. And they're like, oh, just this person's not going to last long, so don't worry about it. You're not going to get attached. But they have that big, unwieldy pack of stuff on their back. Yes. And I get it. It's all useless. I'm looking at it. There's literally a banjo in there, Joe. There's a electric fan. And I'm like, I get the joke. There's tennis rackets. There's golf clubs. There's a, a sewing t- machine. Yeah. Um, but I get it for the gag. But I can't believe someone could. like he. They climb up on a car and they walk. And I'm like, nope. Nope, nope, nope. 
I get the gag, but I don't like the execution of it. And I will really nitpick I, with it. Okay, and I will say this. I'm with you on the nitpick, but to defend Jason Aaron, if Jason Aaron asked for some of that stuff to be in there, I'm going to guess it's going to come in handy at some point. Well, here's the thing. It, it probably will, but I also think that we're in the now or we're in the somebody's telling a story. Do you know what I mean? And it's in the past and they're seeing it this, like they're telling their version of the story. And this person came along with me and they had all this useless stuff. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Completely over-exaggerated. They probably had a couple of useless things and then some useless things and maybe an over-bloated pack but nothing like that. You know what I mean? And I'm thinking that's the way this book is going to be. It's going to be, you're going to find out that certain people are exaggerating the story at times. Okay. But that's all I got. But otherwise I was like, okay, Jason, you got me, but yeah, don't know why I became Joe in that moment. Listen, that's a horrible thing for anyone to have to experience. That is true. Um, but I, I, I'm, I, I can see where you're coming from that. We're going to later find out that, all the different monsters and everything else that we're seeing here in these early issues are someone exaggerating their tale of woe, which was still pretty bad, but we need to spice it up a little bit. Um, I like that idea. That didn't even cross my mind until you said it, but I love that idea now that you said it. See, I should be a punch-up man. You should be. You should be. Go send a, go send a packet into Image or Marvel or DC and see what they tell you. Get pound sand, Todd, is what they'll tell me. They say we don't take unsolicited pitches and throw it in the garbage. Image might. DC and Marvel, they won't even look at it. That yeah. way they can't get sued if they kind of sort of use an idea sort of like mine. Yeah. Um, didn't I see, and you could answer this better, and again, it's going to be one of those shows, uh, Jimmy Palmiotti was talking the other day and he had mentioned that he has the rights to GI zombie, right? Yes. That reverted back to him. Right. And that reverted back to him. But I think he said was, they were doing new ones eventually. soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think he had also said that there was some other, um, book or pitch that he did, uh, years and years ago that is now coming out as a movie that he's not involved with. Yeah, something called like Ballerina or something like that. And he went down the list of, here's all the things. It was him and I think maybe Gage, Christos Gage, was talking about it. Mm -hmm. um, of like, oh, my character is this and that. And they're like, and I you know, pitched it to this movie studio and they really liked it, but they didn't take it. But here's their movie and it's like all the things. And I was like, Oof, that's tough. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of where I was going with that. Yeah, um, I'm just trying to see if you can find it. Yeah, I'm just trying to see if I could find it real quick, and I don't think that I can. Jimmy I like, talks a lot. So he's, he's I like Jimmy Palmiotti, but he's on, he's he's a uh, he's someone who's on Twitter quite a bit, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's yeah, let's just say what Todd said is correct, right? Right. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah. Hang on. Um. Uh, da, 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 da. it's a Lionsgate movie that's coming out uh, as a John Wick spinoff 
uh, called Ballerina, and then Jimmy says, shop the screenplay called Ballerina uh, around about an assassin sniper out to find the people that killed her father for about 15 years to every studio. Uh, written by Chris and Ruth Gage, based on my original story. Uh, someone liked the title and the themes of the movie. And uh, <laughs> he just said, uh, this happens all the time, by the way. Sometimes by accident and others, dot, dot, dot. Right. I wonder what he's implying, John. Yeah, I wonder what he's implying indeed. Uh, yeah, that's all. Um, so, you know, just be careful with your pitches out there, everyone. Right. Make sure they're all strikes. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, wait, that's uh, American Cricket. That's right. So that's what we've read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is, you get your books before worn, before armed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is currently in the lead over me with four correct guesses with only about five weeks left in the calendar year. We shall see how this year ends. Um, So, Todd, what do you think I'm looking forward to coming out this week? Is it uh, Justice Society of America number one? Uh, It would be Justice Society of America number one, uh, which is the book that I think you are most looking forward to coming out this week as well. Yes, I'm wondering if this means we can only, I, I can't lose at the worst I can tie, maybe? So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by Jeff Johns, art by Mikkel Janine. Um, I love me some Justice Society. I know a lot of people are like, just give me the old timers, give me the pre-crisis guys. And uh, I'm a sucker for all of them, any and all of them. Give me all Winners Squadron, give me Infinity Inc., Give me the Johns era. Give me any of it. I just love these characters. Um, you know, we kind of ran hot or cold with that Golden Age one shot. I think we both love the Stargirl book. Uh, let's hope this leans closer to Stargirl than the Golden Age book. I'm with you. But I'm looking forward to it, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, because this is a five Wednesday month, uh, nothing pop, no, uh, no Marvel books for me this, this week, which is a, a rarity of late. Right. I don't think I have any Marvel books either. Yeah. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, and the current ongoing almost to an end saga Todd and Joe have issues aka Todd and Joe go rogue aka the silver standard aka the battle for second place uh we all know the flash has the best rogues gallery in all of comics Todd thinks that Batman is the second best I know that Spider-Man is the second best we put together a list of the worst of the worst of both of the rogues galleries listener of the show Grinch McScrooge put together a big giant bracket put them all together and here we are now Todd down to the final four Mm -hmm. because moving on into the next round uh, for the Spider-Man bracket in what I would say is an upset. And I would say this was definitely you influencing the vote. uh, Alosha Craven moves on to the finals. Thank God, because I thought video man was going to be like penny plunderer. Uh huh. Um, And Hey, what? 
I just said, you know, vote for, you know, so-and-so. I thought we were allowed to do that. I didn't know. You're, you're allowed, listen, you're allowed to do whatever you want. I'm just saying, I think you, um, you know, I don't know how many Sako accounts you have. Oh. I don't know if you hit me over the head with a roll of quarters mm, and roll stole my phone of all my Sako accounts. I was just going to say, hello, Kettle. It's the pot. You're black. Uh-huh. Listen, and I, I will, I will say, th- and I will say to you, and I'm not one of these people that swear on my whatever, but I will give you my phone next time we see each other. I will let you log into every account that's on my phone, and I will show you that I only vote from my account in any of these polls. I do not vote from any other account in any of the polls that we do. I don't either. I will say I maybe try to get Adam to do porch talk, but that's not me. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, maybe do a little, uh, long box villains if that's him, you know, but I know, um, I, I've asked fig daddy cool to vote, but he says he's going to abstain from voting through all of this. So, but yeah, I don't, I don't do anything either. I think it was just because I asked nicely earlier today, you know, mm-hmm. that's what uh, so we have our final set for the Spider-Man bracket and we have one more matchup. To set the finals for the Batman bracket, yes? Yes. Um, and up is uh, the Blue Bowman, a.k.a. the Signal Man, which uh, he has not one, not one, but two terrible gimmicks. Um, he was a person who he was inspired by the Bat Signal, and he was going to take his gimmick to be all things Signal. So that wasn't bad enough. He went to jail because it's a terrible gimmick. Um and while he was there, he ran into a villain of the Green Arrow, and he's like, oh, I'll take that gimmick, too, and I'll come out and I'll do crappy trick arrows. I'm not really good at that. I'm going to go back to the Signal Man. So that's, you know, that's a terrible, terrible gimmick into a gimmick that's not good for him back into his original terrible gimmick. Um, but also there is the Ten-Eyed Man. Um, his powers are he can see out of his fingertips um out of each of the fingers so that he has like 10 eyes but he's blind in his regular eyes so he's a man who you can defeat his powers by either putting mittens on him or making him make a fist to punch you because then he can't see so uh he's pretty bad and he has maybe one of the worst costumes in this whole run of characters so uh, which one are which one are you putting your support behind, Joe? So this is tough. Um, you know, just like we had. Um, so it'll be. I'll say this: I'm putting my support behind Blue Bowman, mm-hmm. so that the finals for the worst Batman villains is a low rent Green Arrow villain taking on a low rent Golden Age Green Lantern villain. Mm. But in all seriousness, as what you say about the Ten-Eyed Man is, uh, and his gimmick might be a little um, not great, but I love the Ten-Eyed Man's costume. (laughs) Stop it. Like, unabashedly, I think that's fantastic. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, there's no, like, you see him and there's no mistaking who that is, right? It's it's very literally eye catching. You know what his gimmick is. You know his whole deal. He doesn't need to have a sign. He doesn't need to tell you his origin, what his powers are. You see him coming down the street, and you're like, I know this guy's deal. I'm gonna let him go. I'm gonna let the man go through. You know. 
I, I'm with you, Joe, but his costume doesn't even have 10 eyes on it. But you still know what his deal is from his costume. It looks cool. I like the costume. I'm not even joking around. I think it's a good look. And I think I may have said this before, but we are one Chip Zdarsky written storyline away from Ten-Eyed Man getting a Kite Man reevaluation in the 2020s. Right, right. Sure. I still say Kite Man is lame, but, you know, the the, the voters don't agree with Right. Me, so. Listen, you, you could say all you want about Kite Man being lame. He's a multimedia superstar. He's in video games. He's in cartoons. Uh, <laughs> they named a popular Peanuts character after him. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> but I will say, I will say this. Everybody who says, like, oh, Kite Man's so cool because he's in that Harley Quinn cartoon... All they do is bag on him because he's lame. That's, That's how it all. starts. Oh, okay. So you get, you know, your your street cred by people pooping on you. Yeah. Got I got it. Then you must be the greatest guy in the history of the planet. Joe. Let's not go crazy, but sure. Okay. Oh, you got me there. You got me heated for a moment. All right. Well, let's move on. While you're over at Longbox Heroes, of course, um, you know, there's different ways that you can support us. You can go uh, to our little store there and buy shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. And I'll be honest with you, we have a Public store. They don't tell me in advance when sales happen. They give me like 12 hours notice. It says there's a sale going on right now for the next 12 hours. And then right before the sale ends, they send me an email that says, we're extending it for another four. So <laughs> I don't know when there's a sale going on at Public, but you can get a bunch of different designs inspired by this show, After Dark, We Need Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, a bunch of other shows on the network, um, on anything and everything from cell phone covers to notebooks over at uh, tpublic.com slash longboxheroes or tinyurl.com slash... I think LBH store. I don't know what it is. T public Longbox heroes. Uh, you can also uh, help us out and get something in return by signing up for our Patreon as little as a dollar a month. You're going to get two bonus shows a month from Todd and myself. Uh, one Piro Mounties, which we just recorded the finale of this past week, uh, which is looking at the films of independent filmmaker, Mark Piro and previewing the past where we look at 30 years ago, this month's previews catalog. We're getting ready to roll out December, 1992 here shortly. Um, and we are going to be doing a special in the December movie slot of announcing what we're going to be doing for 2023 and kind of going over the list of what movies we'll be looking at. Uh, you also get a uh, full color, high quality, professionally done scans of those previews catalogs that we talk about on previewing the past, all that for a dollar a month, $5 a month. You get all that stuff two weeks before everyone else. And you get after dark two days before everyone else so that you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. Right. You can also help us out. Oops. Sorry. Nope. You're good. You'd also help us out by making a purchase, uh, any and all purchases uh, through our Amazon affiliate link. It's the banner at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. The link is in the show notes to every single one of these episodes. No matter where it is that you get these episodes, does not cost you anything extra. Amazon calls it an advertising fee because if it was not for us, you would not know that Amazon exists. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Uh, again, it was, uh, you know, the beginning of the holiday season, so we had a ton of stuff. 
um, purchased, and we do thank you all, of course. Somebody purchased a 2023 day-to-day calendar featuring the Peanuts characters, uh, one of the characters named after Kite Man, of course. <laughs> right. Uh, we had Dark Tower number six, Kindle edition. Uh, somebody purchased a four-pack uh, collection of the Dragon Ball movies. Not Dragon Ball Z. This is Goku when he was a little kid with a monkey tail. Uh, right, so you know, baby Goku. Right, Baby Goku, which was the uh, inspiration for Baby Grogu, right? Uh, somebody also purchased um, John Moxley's audiobook, uh, which is a great listen and read. Uh, somebody also purchased a Kate Bishop hoodie to like cosplay as like Hawkeye, you know? Right. Uh, somebody purchased the Lego Ninjago Jay's Thunder Dragon. Uh, somebody also purchased the following transformers toys uh generations war for cybertron ultra magnus generations legacy skull grin and generations legacy point blank and peacemaker figures oh the john cena autobot uh ooh, that's a that's a good pun there i like that right he's peacemaker it's got to be him uh somebody also purchased on blu-ray bayonetta which is i guess an anime of some kind based on the video game of the same name and this is this like the second or third time in as many weeks that somebody purchased Eternals on Blu-ray, and uh, I'm telling you, I don't know if that's a real movie or not. I think you may want to double check your receipts. You know, uh, so I think it's a glitch, and or someone is just trying to complete the whole run of Marvel movies if that exists. If that movie exists, right? And then somebody also purchased uh, Iron Maiden somewhere back in time, the best of 1980, 1989 picture disc vinyl. So thank you for all of those really cool purchases. Hopefully I did not spoil anyone by proxy's uh, holiday gifts. Right, hopefully. Um, Also, someone who's hooked up their comicsology through our Amazon click-through have purchased Once Upon a Time at the End of the World, number one. I hope you enjoy that. Batman Earth 1, Volume 3. Conan Chronicles Epic Collection, Shadows Over Kush. Uh, Conan Chronicles Epic Collection, Blood in His Wake, which is a great title. Um, Batman Mystery Casebook, Amazing Spider-Man 14, and finally, 8 Billion Genies number 6. I hope you enjoy them all. And I just want to throw this out here. Um, I know young Josh, who works at the comic book shop, lamented that he just got into reading the current run of Amazing Spider-Man, and they're doing a big giant crossover with X-Men. Mm-hmm. And then he shows like the list of all the books that you need to get. And Josh, I say this to you: do the same thing that I am. Just read Amazing Spider-Man. Don't right. read anything else. Don't give them the satisfaction, Josh. Don't give them the satisfaction. Don't give yourself the headache and agita of reading an X book in 2022-23. Do you remember when we used to have the Mutant Minute? I do. I was actually just talking to the uh, gentleman who does the Mutant Minute this morning. He's doing who well. used to do the Mutant Minute. Used to do the Mutant Minute, Exactly, because yes. if he's doing it somewhere else, that's gimmick infringement. Right. I think he's very busy. He's got a very um, high-powered job in whatever country he lives in, and I don't want to give that away. And uh, Portugal? Ex- no, no, no. Okay. I, that's you. Where, this, where the Mutant Minute gentleman lives, you live in luxury, and you're part of the problem uh when you're <laughs> causing the problems you go to portugal gotcha slow boat to lisbon as we That's always right. say 
so thank you everyone for any and all of your purchases to the Amazon click through this week, this month, this year, this whatever. Uh, every bit is greatly appreciated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would be remiss if I did not throw this in here. Of course, uh, you know, there's only a few weeks left with the pull post. You know, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to. There's more weeks left uh, in the NFL football season. And I just want to point this out, Todd. I'm in 29th place, up one from last week. You're in 21st place, down one from last week. You're still, you're still eating my dust, Joe, so okay. I'm good with that. That's all. Okay. I'm just a little closer than I was last week is all I'm saying. Mm. It only counts in hand grenades and horseshoes is close, Joe. Okay. All right. Leading you down a primrose path to, uh, I don't know, something here. Right. So that's, like I said, that's everything there. I think it's time. Is there, oh, did we have any art attacks this week? Yes. We did not have any art attacks. Ah, uh, consarn it. So, hey, listen, aspiring artists, if you ordered something, if you're getting something for the holidays, you've gotten something commissioned, you decided to buy yourself a page of original art. Uh, maybe you're the one who bought Paul Chadwick's uh, stuff from Vertigo. <laughs> uh, take a picture of it, tweet it at us, tag Todd's art attack, and we'll share uh, your cool stuff with the rest of the world, you know? Yep. And uh, I guess let's get into uh, what we watched from this past week, huh? Sure, sure. So um, let's, where would you like to begin? You know what? I'm asking you, where'd you like to begin? I'm making the executive decision. Let's start with the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. Okay. Holiday special, excuse me. Right. Uh, so, um, so, okay. Um, if you saw the trailer for this, you know what this is about, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, Mantis and Drax go to Earth to get <laughs> a gift for Star-Lord, who's sad because it's Earth Christmas, right? Uh, we get, like, a little cartoon, a rotoscope thing. Um, I don't know if you saw Jimmy Pistol, a.k.a. James Gunn, was tweeting out some of the stuff, how they did that. No, I didn't see all that. Uh, so it was very much supposed... Well, you know, let's come back to that before we get to the plot of this. So Mantis and Drax go to Earth to get a Christmas present for Peter Quill, and the Christmas present that they get for him is Kevin Bacon. Uh, Because of all the stories that Star-Lord has told, they think that Kevin Bacon is the person that he played in all of the movies that he was in, uh, most specifically Footloose and Tremors, I guess, right? Right, because he's the most, uh, you know, famous hero on Earth, according to Peter Quill. Um. So we get all the other Guardians in this as well. Um, Not all, but close. Who's missing? Gamora. Is it uh, spoilers, everyone? Isn't she dead? No, she came back through time travel, and because she came back from time travel, she didn't love Peter Quill anymore. Oh, that's right. And that's part of the reason he's heartbroken is because Gamora has left because they now own, with the money they made somehow, they own nowhere. They had a celestial. Right. And she's like, oh, she's gone. So, Like I said, that just shows you how my mind works. I thought she was dead. That's all. I got you. I'm just watching this a little closer than you are. That's all. Yeah, yeah. You do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will say, um, I, I watched the trailer, and, you know, that was too much. I should have went into it blind. Um, once there was a song at the beginning, right? which I thought that song was a lot of fun. Yes, it was. Um, at that point, I knew 
that we were going to get uh, Kevin Bacon singing by the end of the episode. And lo and behold, Kevin Bacon sang a song. And my wife goes, oh, I didn't know Kevin Bacon was a singer. I go, yeah, and his, him and his brother, they have a band. It's called, like, the Bacon Brothers Band, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought this was fun. I thought this was uh, very lighthearted. Um, I feel as though this was more of a vehicle to put Mantis over than anything yes. else. Uh, you know, obviously she's introduced in the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 movie. I don't feel as though we really got a good feel or connection with her character, especially with the way that her powers work. Um, but this did so much more than her previous appearances in any of the Marvel Cinematic stuff to make you care about this character. And I think yes. that's... The most important takeaway from all of this. Right. And we end up finding out that she's actually Quill's half-sister. Right. So that's kind of like, in the end, that's the greatest present you could get of all. And this hit a lot of the high notes for me for like a holiday slash Christmas special. One, and maybe I'm treading on some dangerous ground here, Joe, is they're not afraid to make it a Christmas special. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's kind of the reason that I st- like in the past couple of years of reading comics, like nobody does a single issue of like the flash or Batman or like whatever. And it's a Superman and it's, it's Christmas themed. It's like, we're just going to do a holiday issue and it's usually nine 99. And I don't mind you know, all, all of it being included. Cause they'll like, they'll do a thank. They'll do a hot. There's literally a holiday book. It's a Thanksgiving book, and then they have a Christmas story, and they'll have a New Year's Eve story, and a New Year's Day story, and they'll have a Kwanzaa story, and they'll have a, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of, like, other holidays in there. But you get what I'm saying. Where this was like, well, we're just doing a straight Christmas special. And in it, you know, you try to give a gift. Maybe it's not perfect, but in the end, it's the the, the friendships and blah, blah, blah. I am a sucker for that. They could have actually put Santa Claus in the Marvel Universe, and I would have been fine with it because in any – a Christmas story, Santa Claus can show up and he goes away after and that's 100% fine but I had a lot of fun with this uh, Rocket Raccoon finally got uh, Bucky's metal arm which I thought was fantastic oh, um, so, oh you know what I'll come back to that and I'll come back to the animated stuff, go ahead Right, but uh, all around like I, I thought like that kind of stuff is what uh, a holiday special is good for and i will say this now that james gunn is jumping companies i'm almost worried that he you know that he uh he blew up his spot by doing a uh, holiday special because i now want to see him do the lobo paramilitary christmas special joe that's right up his alley <laughs> so but anyway that's all i got on that i'll let you finish up Okay, so um, there is a DC Christmas special this year. Not a holiday special. Uh, It's called DC's Grifter Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Okay. And it's a straight... Is it a $9.99 book? Yes. Is it a ton of different stories? Yes, but it's all Christmas stories. Hmm, I'd have to look over that. I guarantee it's not all Christmas stories. It comes out this week. Go... Go thumb through it uh, with your grubby mud and cookie fingers at the comic book shop. I'm, I'm guaranteeing you there's a Boxing Day story in this oh one, my and it's going to start Wildcat. Oh, no, that's okay then, right? Right, right. Um, so what they did with the animated sequences, because there's bits in there uh, where... Uh, so a lot of this Christmas special is misunderstandings, right? 
whether it be uh, Drax and Mantis misunderstanding who Kevin Bacon was, Craglin misunderstanding that story when they were kids in regards to young Star-Lord trying to put up the Christmas tree and Yondu's reaction to it and everything else like that. He wasn't there for the rest of the story, you know? Yeah. Uh, that initial song, which was great, which was their inter- the, 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 the aliens, musicians' interpretation of Star of what Christmas is and Star-Lord, like, just reacting to, like, all the stuff that they're getting wrong. But it was the opening credits. It was a great moment. Um, so they went for a Ralph Bakshi-like look to the animation, Mm-hmm. But what they did was they actually filmed live action stuff and then just like did the animation over that. And the only alterations that they did was like the special effects. Of course, like Rooker wasn't in the full makeup. Uh, Sean Gunn wasn't in the full makeup. The kid who they had playing young Star-Lord, they just gimmicked him up in the animation to look a little bit more like um, – uh, what's his face who plays Peter Quill? What's his name? Chris, Chris Pratt. Pratt. Yeah. Um, but they did like a rotoscoping technique to do so. I just recently learned what that was, but anyway. that's right. So I don't need to explain to you what that is. No, no. <laughs> Two days ago, I would have had to. Right. Um, but also the bit that you mentioned where Nebula shows up and gives Bucky's arm to um, Rocket Raccoon. Rocket Raccoon. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Todd, but there were people on the internet that were upset by that moment. Sure there were, because there's people who are upset by everything, Joe. There were people who, uh, felt as though Nebula would not be able to defeat Bucky. Oh, who'd win? Right. It's one of those sort of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess Jimmy Pistol was doing a and a the other day. <laughs> right. And somebody's like, how did Nebula get Bucky's arm? She took a trip and tore it off his body because she was feeling so Christmassy, says James Gunn. Ooh, uh, that that riled some people up. Wait. So someone replies, Bucky defeats Nebula. There's no way she stole his arm. It has no sense. Uh, like the whole phase four, and then there's a bunch of expletives. Um, James Gunn then replies, I'm not sure how a cyborg, cyborg with advanced alien technology tearing off a human's arm because of an overabundance of Christmas spirit is forced inclusion, but it's canon now. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> you know what else is canon, Joe? What? Robots. Okay. Oh, that's right, because um, Drax apparently has heat. With Psykill of the GoBots. Well, all GoBots. Because a GoBot killed a family member. And he just starts decking the GoBot. And I'm like, the cooler of the transforming robots are canon in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Oh, my Fantastic. goodness. If only someone was obsessed with models of those, you know? Go- GoBits? Yes. Right. But all around, I had fun. Yes, it was. I, 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 we sat, we watched it with the family Friday night. Uh, we had a blast. Uh, lots of laughs. Uh, April was enjoying the songs. Uh, would watch again. It's forty-five minutes. There's a post-credit sequence. Uh, that's just there for fun. Uh, Vin Diesel got a paycheck. What more do you ask? What more could you ask for? You know, Trans Siberian Orchestra playing in it, but that's about it. Right. I just learned what they are this weekend. You know, like rotoscoping and Trans Siberian yeah. Orchestra. Yeah. But, Apparently, uh, it's a uh, scritty polity side project. I didn't know that. Scritty polity. You heard me. 
I did hear you. Um, so is that everything with Guardians again? Yeah, let's. Uh, I'm going to let you uh, lead the charge on Andor. How about that? Right. Guess who watched Andor about an hour before for the second time before? Uh, we not me, because I only watched it about an hour beforehand for the first time. Right. So uh, the show starts out with uh, this kid, uh, the kid who uh, is the son of the junkyard or whatever you want to call it, the shop that Bix worked at, uh, building something. And his father was the one who was hung when they were interrogating Bix. So I can't imagine what he's building, Joe, but it has a lot of wires and flashing lights. So uh, we'll see. It's it's something for the Christmas tree. (laughs) Right. Um, so, uh, Deidre, you know, with the plan to, that Andor is going to be there for the funeral, she shows up on Ferrix. Um, Zan from last episode, I even have names. This is how much, like, notes I have for this episode. Um, he was the guy who Andor called, and he was the one who basically informed him that his mother's dead. Uh, Zan finds Brasso, and he's like, Andor called. And he's like, what did he say? And he basically gives him, I didn't talk to him, it was a short conversation. But I told him his mother's dead. He's like, do you think he'd be stupid enough to come here? And Brasso's like, whether or not you keep your mouth shut. Like, forget you even know anything. So um, the guy who originally uh, and or owed money for in the in the first episode, I think his name is Nurchi. Uh, he ends up seeing them talk and he ends up taking Zan to the bar and basically like discussing like poor, you know, uh, Marva and Andor and everything. And, and like, he basically let slip because he got, he got him a little drunk and now he knows he's coming. So he's going to end up like outing Andor to, uh, the Imperials, um, Cinta, who is watching for Andor, for Lucian, ends up seeing Korv, uh, Korv who's uh, Deidre's second-in-command here, and then and she realizes that the upper-ups uh, are kind of here and things are going to get out of hand. Um, cut really quick to Mon Mothma, who is picking up her husband uh, in the, in the, the car, and she have the, they have the chauffeur. And like I said, Joe, stop me if at any point you want to. You know what I mean? Um, Mon Mothma is talking with her husband. She, he gets in, and she basically says, "Quit some privacy to the to the chauffeur, who does not sh- like." He keeps the microphone on, and he ends up listening to the talk about. She's like, "I know you're gambling again," and they end up having a fight. And he's like, "I'm not gambling." She's like, "You are gambling," and I thought I thought we talked about this. You can't do it here on Coruscant. Go someplace else. It looks bad for me. He's like, whoever's telling you this is lying. And if you tell me who told you, like, we could figure this out. And they're trying to bring you down. She's like, no, no, no. Just stop gambling. And I'm worried about where you got the money and blah, blah, blah. She's setting up her husband for the fall, for the money taken out of her accounts for the rebellion. And the driver immediately rats her out to uh the higher upper ups this oh, go ahead all i got is jokes go ahead are you mon Ma- wait mon mothma's husband the drunken gambler yes and who might you be <laughs> okay <laughs> that's a good one but i actually he comes into the car with like the like just the open beverage like tanked you know <laughs> right uh, can you imagine this tanked up w- loser in a hover car joke <laughs> But anyway, 
Um, yeah, so I just I'm I'm down with Mon Mothma's character in this. Like now she's starting to play dirty, but in the end of the episode, she ends up uh, actually introducing her daughter to the mobster's son. So like, uh, as much as people bag on the Mon Mothma story, I I'm I'm all in on that kind of stuff. So. Um, Cinta and Vel finally see each other after like the whole season of being separated since the, uh, the heist, the money heist. And, uh, it's funny because like Cinta's all in and Vel's kind of like taken back and she wants to, to be with her, but you could see that she's kind of hurt that, you know, she's in full, uh, Vel is in, or Cinta is in full spy mode. So I'm wondering, I'm hoping maybe if we'll see Vel kind of, kind of not like the rebellion after a while. Right, because Vel had that moment last ep- last episode with um, uh, Luthen's with, assistant, right, with Luthen, and I think that definitely soured her for the whole situation. Yep. So, because we, you know, we've seen people like rat out the rebellion. I'm wondering, and like, you know, we have a guy who is in the Empire who turned good. Before this is over, somebody on the good guy side is going to the Empire. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, uh, Andor arrives in town as you think he would, and he visits his, uh, father's brick, uh, you know, the brick grave in the wall and everything. We have a flashback to him, uh, discussing with that. I think that's, that's, that's beautiful. And it gets you an idea of what they do with the bricks at the, the funeral. And he ends up going to like the junkyard place or whatever. And he runs into Plaga and uh that's the guy who had like the, the 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 ships and stuff and everything and he was letting andor borrow stuff he ends up explaining everything that's happened so far on on ferrix and he basically gives him the rundown uh, especially about bix um so bix is or andor is kind of like he gets you know out of there and they hide him and he's listening to to nemic's journal while like you know we're getting bits and pieces of other story and Nimix talking about oppression and all it takes is like you know the 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 rivers will rise up on the banks very well written this manifesto would make me fight great um, moment right so not the not the best moment of the episode but whoa. up to this point great moment fantastic yeah. um you know obviously when uh Nemec gives the journal all those episodes previously to Andor um, like Andor kind of takes it begrudgingly, right? Mm-hmm. And now here we are at this point where these words ring true, and Andor is not so much as drinking the Kool Aid because it's not that sort of thing, but he definitely believes the stuff that you know. The time and however long mm-hmm. has passed from the heist to now, right? Andor and- believes this stuff that at one time he poo pooed, right? And if these words don't get him through the door, Joe, there's <laughs> words that are coming up that push him through it. Words? Uh, words. So um, that that happens now. Like uh, Deidre is like looking over the funeral area slash trap um, because she wants Andor alive because there were no survivors from the Krieger trap. Um and she's like, we need live bodies. To, and, and the guy who's in charge of the ISB, he's like, the, you, you don't see what this is. This was to wipe the taste out of the emperor's mouth. We slaughtered them all because we don't want the emperor poking around here. You know what I mean? Right. So she's upset. She's like, 
Well, that even makes her want Andor alive even more to get at Axis, if you will. Uh, right. Let me see. So um, Luthen comes to uh, Ferrix. So like all the players are showing up and he's there straight up to kill Andor. Um, so now Brasso meets with Ando, Andor and Brasso gives him the message from his mom. And this is another great moment where she's like, he's like, I should have been here. I should have never left. I should have took her with me. And he's like, she said you were going to say all this. And she said, you're the fire. And, you know, you're the spark. And eventually maybe, you know, like you'll be, you'll burn bright kind of a deal. And my favorite line of it, he's like, and I, I, I got dusty onions when Brasso said this. And he, she told me to tell you that you could do, uh, she loves you more than anything you can do wrong. Like all the wrong you could do, it will never counteract the love. And if Joe, if this doesn't push uh, these words don't push Ando through the door. Maybe there's another one down the line, but this is all building with Andor and Joe. At this point, I have goosebumps talking about it, and this this episode just keeps building, building, and building. Um, and also, he tells her tells him where Bix is. He's like, when we have friends in there, he's like, all right, well, I'm gonna try something. And Brass was like, all right, I'll handle your mother's funeral arrangements, which is great. Um, now, Joe. Cyril and the sergeant come to town and in a scene that will be studied and dissected and discussed for ages, they exchange hats, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) People on the internet are losing their mind. Why did they exchange hats? I'm watching this. I'm rewinding this like the Zap Ruder film. I don't care. I love Cyril and the sergeant, Joe. It sums up their characters perfectly. Wouldn't you agree? I love Cyril and the Sergeant. I love Cyril more, but I, I'm I I want more of the Sergeant now that we got the bit of him at the end of the last episode, and then the the pairing of them this this episode. Right, and I won't even go into my thirty page page thesis of why they exchanged hats. <laughs> um, so maybe like that'll be an uh, you know a Patreon episode. I won't like make this a long show. So, um, basically, uh, Vel and Luthen, uh, start talking. He's like, I'm here. She's like, they, they know he's here. He's like, good. This is going to work for us. They'll snu- they'll snu- like, uh, push him out into the open cause they want him alive. And as long as we get them, get them before, uh, we kill him before he starts answering questions, we're golden. Right. So he's like, when does the funeral start? Because that's, what's going to happen. And they go, Oh, in about, two hours or so, three hours. And the empire's like, yeah, they've set up in the hotel. They're like three hours. We're good to go. And Joe, one of the most pivotal, maybe not as good as the Sergeant, but the second most pivotal man in Andor season one, the anvil banger. (laughs) He starts banging that anvil, Joe. And the band starts playing the funeral march they're starting the funeral early to put everybody on their heels. And Joe, that funeral march is a beautifully sad song. I was like, oh my God, this is fantastic. That band, I'm liking that they didn't use like the Cantina band. They didn't rent that to play it. It was very sad and they're walking. Brasso's got the brick and he's got uh, B along with them. And if I can and- just interject. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm no, pumped. it's okay. 
Um, yes. Yeah, so I love that bit where they're even talking where they said they wanted this much time. Um, but then the, the women of what the, the women of Annex pushed back and they said, no, we need this much time. So we acquiesced and we decided to let them go at this time for this amount of time. And then they just say, we're going whatever we want. You know, mm-hmm. I love that. And the other thing you're talking about, like the sadness and the song and everything else like that. The other thing that worked so well with this from a technical standpoint was that this was a real set with real people. Yep. So it felt that much more impactful that this, like it was probably on a set somewhere, but it was actual physical locations. It was tons of extras and it just added so much more weight to the importance of this moment. Right. And now Andor's watching from the rafters because Brasso's handling things and he's seeing all the players show up and he sees Luthen, and he's like, there's, and he he doesn't say it, but he, uh, he he gives a knowing look. And you can totally understand. And that's what I love about this. Sometimes it's shown, not explained. He's like, I know why he's here. He's here to kill me. He doesn't say it, but he's like, eh. So, well, every, like, other than the people there explicitly for, um, uh, uh, was it uh, Marva's funeral, everyone's there because they want to get Andor. Um mm-hmm. What's her face? Um, Deidre is like, like explicitly dozens of time. Like they're like, we got snipers here. We got people with blasters here. And she's like, we're taking him alive. You know, like repeatedly the empire person is like, we're taking him alive. And the rebel leader Alliance person is like, oh, I'm here to kill him. You know, it's beautiful dichotomy, man. Yes. Right. So all that's happening now the Empire gets rattled because they're starting early. And right. the guy's like, Deidre's gone. She's out in the streets. And he panics. And he's like, send everybody into the streets. Send every, like, you know, pretty much everybody. And that's kind of what, like, that works for Andor. Because he's like, I got to get in there. And I got to get Bix, you know? And now Nurchi shows up. And he says he knows where Andor is. And they fake arrest him. And they take him to the hotel. And he's like... Think he's up there. They end up uh, going, and he's not there. He's making his way to the hotel to get Bix. Um, Brasso and B show up there, like are there for the funeral march. Um, and when the band picks up tempo, Joe, and they start moving faster towards the area where the funeral is, my heart's in my throat <laughs> because now all the Empire coming out of the hotel. I'm like. This is Braveheart, man. You know, like, it's on. And they start walking, and then they just stop. And I'm like, okay. And Joe, here's where the dusty onions come rolling out. The most important droid in the Star Wars universe. B starts playing Marva's message. And the Empire's kind of like, oh, like, oh, we're going to let this go for a little bit. And she's like, we've been sleeping. We did what they want. And as long as we did, they left us alone. And when they showed up, we kept their motor, like their their stuff moving. And then they left us. But we were asleep. And we sleep no more. If I had one wish, it would be that I woke up earlier. And I fought these bees. Rise up. Joe, I lost my mind. Her 
with the hologram and her like looking and talking about, I can almost feel the people here. And when she says we have to, the empire is dirt and we have to fight these bees. And the, the, the guy in charge goes, Oh, like stop it. We have to stop. We let this go 30 seconds too long. And he throws his jacket over B. Okay. And you know, I tries have to, stop to say, I, I have to interject there. He shabbily throws the jacket over the thing, right? Right, right. It's so lazily. It's like, I'm gingerly going to place the jacket here, and it's going to kind of sort of touch the side, but it's still going to show enough, you know? Right. Um, I'm like, if he really wanted to, he would have thrown it right over and everything, you know? Anyway, only nitpick about the episode. Right. I don't care because this scene is so good, Joe. This scene is so good, right? With that speech, Luthen's the only one in the crowd smiling. Because I'm like, oh, like hell is going to break loose. And he's like, this is the spark we need. This is what I want. And like you said, Luthen, who's there to kill the the good guy, he's like, people are going to be slaughtered in the street. But this works to my advantage. And they kick over the droid, you know, in the the most heel moment in Andor, he kicks over B, um, and everything goes nuts. And my man Brasso, I am full on with Brasso taking down Empire guys with Marva's brick to the face. Yeah, that was awesome. You tell me Marva wouldn't have loved that, right? So all, all, like all chaos. Chaos ensues. Um, Andor breaks Bix out as like the kid throws the grenade. Like, he goes in and he gets her in the thing. The kid finally's had enough from the fight, and it's chaos. Like laser bolts are flying, blasters. He throws his bomb. The bomb hits a tank, knocks out more like grenades. It goes up, kills people in the hotel. I think it killed the guy who ratted out Andor. If not, I hope it did. Um, you know, Cyril and the sergeant get knocked. Deidre's running around. It's all chaos. Um, Deidre gets attacked. She loses her blaster. Cyril ends up saving her. And well, I just, her okay, life. so I want to just say, I'm sorry. So she loses her. She loses her blaster in whatever's going on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then, um. With the uh, the pipe bomb thing that goes off, right? Right. So then there's a bunch of, like, chain reaction explosions that happen. Mm-hmm. And one of the chain reaction explosions, um, it's about to take out Deidre. And Cyril right. is right there to save her from one of yep. the explosions. Yep. He's all in, man. And he ends up taking her in this little room and she ends up like trying to attack him. She's like, it's you. He's like, yes, Cyril. And she's like, I I should like, she's shell shocked. And Joe, if there's no more George Lucas moment, it's poetry because it rhymes is Deidre and Cyril have had their both biggest L's on Ferrix. And she knows what happened to Cyril. This is, I'm not going to say they're like Cyril loves her. I don't think Deidre loves him, but this is going to be what cements their relationship. And this place is terrible. And what happened to you happened to me. 
Do you know what I mean? I thought they were going to kiss there, but I'm glad they're saving it for season two. Right, right. So while all this is going on, the head Empire guy goes, get up in the anvil and knock that anvil guy out of there because like he's he's rallying the troops with it. Joe, when he kicked that stormtrooper in the chest, Brasso kicking people in the chest, the anvil kicking people in the chest, just a lot of chest kicking in this. When he went out the thing, I'm like, give me my anvil guy playset with the action figure because <laughs> I'm buying it. Um, Andor gets Bix out. Uh, Brasso. Well, and that's, so that's the thing. So like, there's this, and I forget his name, the second in command guy uh, under Deidre, right? So he sends the guys, and one lone stormtrooper goes up there. They're not good enough marksmen to try to shoot into that thing to take out the anvil guy, right? Mm-hmm. So one lone stormtrooper goes up, and as you mentioned, the anvil hammer guy kicks him. And then you just see the long shot of the stormtrooper doing the fall out of the tower, right? Right. And like as you do that, like you pan back, and you come to that second-in-command guy, and you could just see a look on his face of like, we're doomed. Yes. The only thing that could have made that scene better was if there was the Wilhelm scream as he went out the window. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. So all this is going on. Um, Brasso grabs the kid um, to save him because they want to kill him for throwing the bomb. And he drags him away and they end up dragging B away. And one of the daughters of Ferrix goes with them. Um, Bix, not Bix, uh, Vel ends up finding Sinta, who's killed a, the the other spy who was on the, on Ferrix, because she realized, she's like, I'm just going to kill him on the way out, because. Yeah, because they were kind of following each other. Right, they were playing and cat and she mouse. allows herself to get caught by him, so that she could get him in the alley and like double, triple stab him. Right. So they go back and they're going to get away. And Val is like, oh my God, Cynthia, you're bleeding. She's like, everything's fine. He's like, that's blood. And one of my favorite lines, anytime they use it in any movie or every TV shows, it's fine. It's not mine. You know? And that's when like Val realizes like she just killed somebody in cold blood. You know what right. I mean? So that's great. Um, They end up going to that guy who helped, uh, uh, and or with ships to find his sister and Brasso, a daughter of Ferrix and the, the, the kid who threw the bomb, they get on this ship and, and B and they're like getting ready to leave. And, uh, Andor knows where to go. And he brings Bix and they're like, listen, you know, take her with you and B and Andor have their moment together. And I like that. And he's like, listen, I have to go. And Bix goes like, we can go. He'll find us. He'll find us. And Andor's like, I promise you. I will, I will find you. You know what I mean? Um, so he's like, I got something to do. And now um, in the most important, you know, moment of the uh, show, we find out that the sergeant's alive and well, drinking out of his flask. That's the most important. <laughs> so <laughs> then we cut to Luthen's ship. He's ready to, you know, cut tail and run. And he walks in and he sees the blaster he sees Andor's blaster and he sees Nemec's manifesto and Andor comes out and he's like, you were here to kill me. And he's like, well, um, he's like, but you're very hard to kill. He's like, I'm going to make it very, very easy for you because he heard all the words that lead up to this. And he's like, he gives him the gun. And he's like, kill me and get it over with or take me in. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. 
I'm a full on believer. I'm with you, ride or die, Luthen. And Luthen has the smirk and the credits roll. It's not over yet, but the credits roll. And I'm like, at this point, this, like, after the, the prison ride, this is up and down. This is a perfect season of TV. There's not a wasted moment in this show, Joe. So uh, I agree with you. There is not a wasted moment in the show, but so many people that I've talked to had no patience for the slow build. And I don't even think it was that slow of a build. I just feel as though I don't know what people's expectations for this show were, but I've talked to so many people that like, yeah, I watched the first two episodes and it was dull. It was boring. I gave it up. And I'm like, you're nuts. Go back and watch it. I was telling so many people this week, watch this show. Oh, I watched the first episode. I didn't like it. I'm like, go back and watch it. It just wrapped up. I was telling people to watch it after I had not even seen the season finale yet. And I'm like, go watch the show. It's great. Yep. I watched the season finale and I immediately went to Scott, who's a big, you know, Star Wars fan. He loved Rogue One. That's one of his favorite movies. I really liked Rogue One too. I know I'm in the minority on that. And and I'll discuss this. I've talked this with a couple of people. I firmly believe you are, are wrong on that. Um, I think, may, and this is just my take on that. With that, I'm wrong. Yes, that a lot of people disliked Rogue One. Oh, okay. I think. Did you see a podcast where two guys didn't like Rogue One? Because I'm going to go by, and I know it's not a metric that you can go by all the time, but it's very you know well received on rotten tomatoes and all i ever saw was people talk well about it i don't know where you get people didn't like rogue one i honestly don't i have seen a lot of people with and again i'm with you listen i'm with you i i'm you know i'm looking at rotten tomatoes now and yes there are other podcasts and video shows and youtube shows that all bury it and say outside of whatever the second of the new prequels was, that Rogue One was the worst. And I absolutely disagree. Okay. But I'm just saying, that's why I kind of go by that. And like, I, where everything I've heard, I've only heard good. There is bad. There's always bad. You know what I mean? But I'm the opposite of you. So I can't wrap my mind around that thought. So I'm just, I'm just doing that. But sure. uh, yeah, I try to get it. I'm like, you love Rogue One, Scott. I'm like, you're going to love this. There's no Jedis. There's no magic. There's no, I'm like, and after this, this thing, I'm like, you're going to love, I don't want to hype this up too much, but you're going to love it. And then I tried it with, a, with another person, uh, Josh, who's another one. I said, Josh, you know, there's two episodes of, you know, putting people in place. And then three is where the action starts. He goes, I don't want to watch a show where I got to wait for it to be good. And I'm like, it's not waiting. It's good. Then it's amazing. And he's like, ah, oh, if I got to wait, I'm like, all right, you're out. Who do I tell next? And I'm like, just these people who are on the two episodes that it was boring. I'm like, uh, like, I don't know I, if it's not pew, pew, pew right out of the gate. I, I don't know. So. But. Yeah, and I then, don't know. I don't know what ruined Star Wars for a lot of people, but I feel bad for the people that have had Star Wars ruined on them because they are, you know, whatever your opinion of things are, they are doing their best to course correct. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot of people that have just kind of given up. Right. But, you know, I think I'm going to be, you know, I, I can't see myself not being a Star Wars fan forever. 
Yeah, and I mean, will I say this? What do I think ruined Star Wars for some people? I honestly think it was at least uh, The Last Skywalker or whatever it is. Right. That movie was – now, when I say pretty bad, I'm not the guy who's like, it was an abomination. I know too many people who tell me that. I'm like, it was a bad movie. I didn't like that one. I don't think Last Jedi was that bad, and I like The Force Awakens. Do I think over the three they're strong movies? No. The last one is really bad. But uh, I think that did it. And then the TV shows, like maybe The Mandalorian they liked. I think the ba- Boba Fett was weak to people. But I definitely think it was the – the last movie that put the stake in the heart for, for some people. But I'm honestly of the mind, like if you watch Andor, I think you'd be back in, you know? Yeah. But, uh, so then, and, uh, post credit scene, which they've never really done with star Wars that I, Oh no, they've done it with, uh, Bo- book of Boba Fett and stuff yeah. like that. But, uh, we end up seeing the parts that they were building on, uh, with, uh, with Andor and everything where the, the big gun on the, Death Star. So basically, Andor was building the thing that is eventually going to kill him. Yeah, I, I think we all kind of knew it had to do something with the Death Star. Right. Whatever they were building, and we had joked, we were like, we hope we never find out what those parts are for. Right. Um, because I think we knew what the parts were for. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a fun reveal. Um, yeah. Andor is great, man. Um, makes me want to go watch Rogue One, like, right now. Um, I honestly think... I don't know how they're doing. There's definitely a season two, and I don't know if that's going to be, you know, if we're getting a season three or that's going to be all five years. Because I was mistaken. They said there was going to be a time jump, and I thought it was going to be this season. Right. But uh, whatever whatever happens, I'm going to watch all of Andor. Uh, like, when, when they say this is the last season that leads into Rogue One, I'm sitting down and I'm watching all of Andor yeah. and watching the new season. Then I'm watching Rogue One if so, I live that long. So. Technically, there was a time jump, but not as big as you think. Like when Andor first goes out of the prison. Right. They did a thing where it was like thir- like it was like a month later. Right. But I was thinking because they have to do five years in this show. Yeah, yeah. That they would do like, oh, here's a year in six episodes and here's another year in six episodes. You know, like I honestly thought when he went to the prison, yeah, it would be almost a year, you know, and that would eat up time. And it'd be like, all right, all we have to do is just push everything forward. So right. we'll see, whatever. But when Andor comes back on, I'm first in line to watch it on my Disney Plus that just went up this week for me. They sent me the email notice, so. Oh. Good timing. Good timing after the season finale of Andor. Yeah, you don't feel so bad that the price exactly, changed. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's it. And then we have Stargirl next week, and then like maybe like two more episodes of Stargirl, and then like nothing till February, right? I believe so. We don't have anything, which will be nice. Yeah. Um, dep- so, and again, it depends on when in February, because I know... Mandalorian and Ant-Man 3 are February. Right, right. And we have two more episodes of Stargirl, and then we get, like, most of December and all of January off, right? Which is good. That's the holiday. That's the fish math season when you want a break, Joe. That's right. (laughs) Keep these shows actually short. How about that? Yes. Um, So, hey, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, Hope you enjoyed the episode. I feel great. Um, this was episode 634 <laughs> Longbox Heroes for Todd. This is Joe uh, saying we'll see you all here next week. 
Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.